Welcome to Good Hockey Talk here on 105.9 The X. I am Phil Bork. I will be your host for the next half hour of some good old-fashioned hockey talk. And uh, I want to bring in our special guest for this segment, uh, this part of the show. Uh, He's a former Penguin defenseman, longtime NHLer, and most importantly, a four-time Stanley Cup champion. Oh, and by the way, he happens to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. His teammates absolutely loved him. His nickname was Murph. Let's bring in old double nickel, 55, Larry Murphy. How you doing, Murph? Borky, I'm doing fine. Hey, that's uh, that's quite the introduction. Very uh, much appreciated. Boy, you make me sound better than uh, things actually were, but hey, I'll take it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. Uh, we, we only got half an hour, Murph, but uh, we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. I want to go back to your childhood. Growing up, uh, you were born in Whitby. You grew up in Scarborough, which is just outside of Toronto, the youngest of two boys, uh, your older brother, I know you looked up to a lot. You followed kind of what he did in playing. Uh, what was your relationship with your brother? What was that like? And uh, what was the difference in age? And, and how much did you look up to him? Because he also was a hockey player. Yeah, he, uh, my brother was four years older than me. So I, I, uh, I can remember, I mean, he, obviously he started playing hockey before I did. And I remember going to the rinks. Uh, with my parents to watch him play and just, you know, I, I, at the, at the time, you know, I, of course, you know, big brother, I thought he was the greatest hockey player ever to play the game. So I just loved it. And, and I wanted to do what he did. So, I mean, that, that's what first drew me to the, to the game of hockey. And, um, you know, when the time came, it's, uh, uh you know, I was ready to go. It was actually a, you know, just to jump ahead here. It's pretty interesting. I find a very interesting story was, uh, when my, uh, when I first started to play, my dad, the league that my brother was in, they decided to lower the age for kids. Uh, they're short for uh, to make the four teams, so they dropped it a year, and then that, that then I fell in and under the age. And my dad came to me and said, "Do you want to play hockey?" And of course, you know, I was like, "Yeah, you know, my big brother does. I want to play." So he took me out. They. Uh, I put the my old brother's equipment on that he'd saved, you know, knocked the you know knocked the uh, dust off, uh, took the mothballs out of the bag, and uh, <laughs> put it on me. And I went. That's the great part of this uh, the story is I go to the rink and and they're they're having a draft for the uh, for these boys, these house league kids. So what they did was they had uh, the half rink and they, they skated in, the, in a circle, and the coaches would pick a player and then pull him out of, out of the group. So I get there and I'm proud as punch. And, uh, you know, there's, there's four teams. So there's probably 60 kids there, you know, then the numbers down, I, I'm, you know, it's taken me an hour to get around the rink one time. I've never skated before. So it was, it was a case of a 60 down to 50. And, uh, I turned out to be the last kid picked. So, uh, and, and you know what, at the time I didn't care. I mean, I, was, I got, I got a Jersey. I, I was, I was fired up and I was now playing hockey. Uh, I read the the story about you getting your brother's hand me downs. You know, you got kids getting two hundred, three hundred dollars sticks nowadays, and and you finally uh, were able to get your feet wet uh, with your brother's hand me downs. I also read that another interesting story, and help me out here a little bit, Murph, because I I don't I don't want to tell the story and, and not have it completely correct. That your your mom and dad brought in foster children, uh, and it's sometimes three at a time, and. I'm kind of using your words a little bit here. Uh, some of them were, you said, uh, emotionally disturbed. So just if you can kind of fill in the blanks in a little bit and, and tell me what that was like and, and why your parents were um, were bringing in foster children. Well, um, you know, my, it's just uh, my parents' uh, character. They, 
they they realize that there's as there is today there's a there's a need for for homes for children uh that were either were either taken away from their family or you know, some sort of uh, mishap to their parents or uh, that situation, what they, what they specialized in was with children that came usually from broken homes or abusive homes. Uh, and the, the kids would come in and, and basically, basically what the, it was, it was, uh, it was tough on my parents. Uh, they, you know, it was a labor of love. A lot of these children had a lot of issues, but I mean, basically the, the, the purpose was to bring them into a family situation, show them that there, there's love and consideration and respect for everyone within the family. And, um, it, it was a, and they'd be with us for about two years and then you, hopefully that they'd be ready for adoption at that point. And some were, uh, some moved on to, to, uh, different uh, homes, but it was, uh, it was, it was a great process because you'd see what these kids would come in. And, and probably the thing I remember the most about was, uh, a lot of them came in with abusive fathers. And my dad was probably the most uh, soft-spoken person you'll ever meet, and genuine and, and considerate and kind. That uh, you know, they, he basically he you know he earned their trust over time. Some right. took longer than others, and they learned you know that a father figure can you know be a real positive in their life. So something I'm very proud of that my parents did it, and uh, it was a great experience for me and my brother. I mean, we, we met a lot. You know, we lived with a lot of different kids and. It made the house very interesting, you know, with us, me and my brother, and sometimes, as you said, three kids in the house made it uh, made it much more livelier. Wow, you know, for the sake of time, I, I'm, I'm going to have to find, kind of, you know, fast forward through your your uh, youth hockey career. But I did read that you were cut from your minor Adam team a couple times. You were cut from a Bantam team at least a couple times. You know, Murph, what was that like? I mean, you weren't discouraged, and you kept on keeping on and you finally decided to go full-time defenseman because you were forward in D what I understand for quite a bit you played for the Don Mills yep. Flyers and then eventually to the Peterborough Peets but that time there from I don't know maybe eight to what 15 or 16 it, it seems like nothing could keep you down well it's an interesting uh, 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 story in, the, in this in one fact that uh, I played minor Bantam hockey with uh, Paul Coffey oh yeah we were on the same team, and uh, we're playing for the Marlies, a minor league organization. Um, and then uh, when I got to Bantam, um, I, I, I was cut. I didn't make the Bantam uh, uh, Toronto Marlies team. And and Koff, I you know I can't speak for him. I don't know what happened with him, but he ended up going to a, uh, a different team, Toronto, Toronto Nationals. And that was a time where I thought, well, I was a defenseman. Well, maybe I should uh, give forward a shot. I was going back and forth, mm-hmm. so I was back to forward in Bantam. And then I got to Midget. I uh, went Don Mills, and then, uh, sorry, Borg, if I'm jumping ahead of you here, but it, I, I ended up back on defense because I went to the tryout, and the coach said, wow, we've, we've got enough forwards to make the team. Hey, why don't you give defense a, a shot? I said, okay. I wanted to play for this team, and, uh, oh, and uh, uh, I, I moved back to defense, tried out, and, and uh, I made the team. And, the, and as they say, you know, the rest is, is history. I never played forward again. The rest is history. Oh, that's an amazing story. That's Oh, man, that's a lesson for every young kid out there that uh, you just never know. And if a coach says, hey, we got enough forwards to play D, you say, okay, coach, put me in there. Hey, Murph, let's take our first break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about you uh, being drafted by the L.A. Kings and how you got to be a Pittsburgh Penguin and fulfill your lifelong dream, and that is raising 
the Stanley Cup over your head. Uh, he's Larry Murphy. I'm Phil Bork, and you're listening to Good Hockey Talk. Welcome back to Good Hockey Talk with Phil Bork. I'm here with former Penguin defenseman Larry Murphy. And uh, Murph, you, you play for the Peterborough Peets. You win a Memorial Cup with Gary Green as your head coach. The next year you go to the Mem Cup again with Mike Keenan. Uh, and then you're drafted by the LA Kings, fourth overall. Um, did did you anticipate being that high of a pick? Because you really it seems like you really started to blossom once you got to Peterborough. Yeah, that's uh, Borky. That's spot on. Um, I was fortunate to go. You mentioned the two coaches there, outstanding, outstanding coaches, and they had a real strong program in place. The team, the year before I got there, uh, went to the Memorial Cup and, and uh, they lost. So oh. they had a lot of returning players, and there was a couple of spots open, which I was able to snag. And uh, it, it started my first year junior. Uh, very, very limited. I played every game, but very limited ice time. And as the season went along, uh, you know, played with a lot of great players, great coaching, started to develop as a player, started seeing more ice time. And it just, it just kept the steamrolling. It just, the next thing you know, um, you know, I'm in Montreal at the NHL draft and I ended up, as you say, I ended up getting picked fourth from, uh, by Los Angeles. I, you know, I just, I don't know how it happened. You know, it was just a progression <laughs> and great. in the right situation at the right time with yeah. the right people and and um, uh, able to take advantage of it. Well, your first year in L.A., man, you lighted up. 16 goals, 76 points, still an NHL record for most points by a rookie defenseman. Brian Leach, he almost got you, Murph. Uh, he played 68 games. He had 71 points. You had 76 and 80 but some other players, uh, you know, Ray Bork, you beat his record. Housley came down the pike. Also Gary Suter, but uh, that's that's got to be great to hold that record. Also, you finished second to Peter Stastny for the Calder uh, tro- uh, Calder uh, Trophy for Rookie of the Year. Stastny was 24 at the time. You were 19 at the time. Disappointed, or were you still just happy to be in L.A. and playing in the NHL? Well, I, I was happy. Uh, I, I mean, it was – talk about a dream come true um, – and in Los Angeles, uh, it was um, for me. I never been to California, so that in itself, culturally, was quite <laughs> yeah, an, quite sure. an experience. But I was in the National Hockey League. You know, I just I didn't grow up ever anticipating that. Uh, anytime I played in the backyard, we always had a rink in the backyard. I yeah. would, you know, I'd be playing for the Leafs. So that was sure, my, you know, sure. as a team, as a little boy growing up in Toronto. So the Kings were a million miles away. It's, you know, for me as a, as a child, so it was quite an experience going out there. But it was a great opportunity. Um, you know, they, they threw me right in. I got to play right away. My my the first year played quite a bit. We had a good offensive team, and and the numbers just uh, they just kept stacking up. So yeah, it's something that I, I take a, a great pride in. Yeah, the records uh, it's still holding up. There are a couple guys you pointed out, kind of teased with uh, with breaking it, but. Yeah, it's 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 pride. I take a lot of pride. It was a great experience. Uh, I got to share though uh, this story, which one of my favorites was. I, so I get into the National Hockey League. I'm 19 years old, and it was early in the season. We went. We played a road game in Montreal against the Canadians at the Forum, and I was starting uh, starting that game. And uh, um, I'm standing. For, I'm I'm on the blue line, and Rajay Doucette, which uh, is, I'm sure you all you all know, Bork. He was a, yeah. uh, was probably one of the best well known national anthem singer sure. in the history of the game. 
And boy, could he belt it out. <laughs> so I'm standing out there for the national anthem. He sings it in both English and French, the Canadian national anthem. And I'm looking across the ice, and I see there's Larry Robinson and Guy Lafleur <laughs> and Steve Shot. These are all idols of mine growing up. And I was so nervous at that point that I felt my legs shaking. Wow. And I literally thought, I just hope that this gets over with so I can move because I'm going to fall down. I'm shaking so much here. Wow. Being just so excited about the uh, the experience of playing in the, the Montreal Forum against the fabled Canadian. So that, that kind of sums up uh, just how uh, wet behind the ears and how excited I was about uh, getting into the National Hockey League. Wow. Well, you go to Washington, you go to Minnesota, and then December the 11th and in 1990, um, you get traded with Peter Taglianetti for Chris Dahlquist and Jim Johnson uh, and end up winning a cup back in Minnesota, the team you came from. You yeah. think about that basically six months, Murph. I mean, did it seem to go fast? I mean, it just seemed like, a, uh, you know, again, for you, perfect fit, right time, right place, right team. What do you remember about that six-month span? Well, it was, uh, well, Borky, you lived through it. So, I mean, a, a, a year of transition for the Penguins. And, and I, I, I came in December. And, of course, there was other big trades that happened. Uh, there were big trades that happened this uh, throughout that year. I mean, we, I think we almost used 40 guys in the roster. Yeah, remember right. somebody telling me sure. that? I can't remember. It was like 38 or something. 30. That season, the Penguins used. Uh, so it was a team in transition. And um, I love the opportunity. It was like it was a, a, a style of play that uh, – uh, just I just love to play and fit in well too, and a puck possession team. I mean, yeah. it's I've always been felt that that's you know that's the best way to play. If you get the puck more, a lot more than the opposition, you're going to win a lot more games. So I love I love the opportunity coming into Pittsburgh. Extremely excited about the uh, uh, the trade, but it, it end up playing the team you're traded from in the finals. I tell you, I've never. I mean, how can you be more motivated? And you know, you want to win the Stanley Cup. That, that in itself is 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 something that you just strive for and you and you push for. But against the team that you're traded from, there's no way, no way you're gonna. I wanted to lose to that team under the circumstances. So, the motivation was definitely not an issue. And um, you know, it was it was a tough series at first. That I was getting a little concerned, but uh, of course, uh, you know, we prevailed by uh, you know we basically just took over the series, as you all know, at the end. But yeah, I I don't know how I could live with myself if we lost to the team that I got traded from. You know, and, and you go to Toronto and things. I mean, you mentioned that's your that was your team. You had Davey Keon, you loved him. Bobby Bond, you loved him. You're playing for Toronto, but it doesn't work out too well. I'll just kind of leave it at that with the Toronto Maple Leafs. But then you go to Detroit, and Scotty's got your back, Murph. Oh, Scotty Bowman has got your back. And you go back to back again, man. 97, 98, you win two more cups. You're playing with Lidstrom. You have Vladimir Konstantinov on the backside. I mean, you talk about uh, you know falling into just absolutely perfect situations once time once was enough right for most guys murph but then it happens to you again in detroit you must just consider yourself so lucky well you you just it, you, it's, you know Borky, i'm i'm preaching to the choir here when i'm <laughs> when i'm telling you this uh, i mean the most uh, uh d- disappointing season for me was uh, after we won the two cups in pittsburgh that next season oh, yeah, i thought sure. was was our best team and then um we we end up we don't end up winning it. It was it was devastating. So it's I don't you don't get as you can point out you don't get tired of winning the the Stanley Cup. So <laughs> I was in Toronto and I had a no trade clause and things. Yeah, we weren't we weren't uh, doing very well in Toronto. It was a, it was in turmoil. And we had coach changes and 
I mean, it was still an honor to wear the uh, the Maple Leaf sweater sure. and play at Maple Leaf Gardens. I, I cherish the time there. I just you just wish we had we had, we had done better. That would have made the the experience more. But uh, uh, you know, just uh, I regress again. Another story. I'm I'm um, on the trade deadline. I had no idea that uh, I was going to get traded or they're going to consider trading uh, me. And I, I had conversations with Cliff Fletcher, the general manager, before. And I got the call at quarter to three. And, and the thing about this is that in order to trade me, I had to waive my waive it, claw, yeah. my no trade clause. If they couldn't reach me, they couldn't trade me. And I wasn't really, and to be perfectly honest, it wasn't on my mind wow. that I could possibly end up getting traded. So luckily, I had the phone. I had my cell phone with me, and it was charged. And I took and I answered the call, and it was Cliff Fletcher, quarter to three. Hey, I wow. can trade you to Detroit um, if you know if if you'll waive your no trade clause. And um, I mean, at that time, I mean, the wings were knocking on the door, and and as you know, as you know, you you never get enough of that right. uh, that Stanley Cup uh, drug. And it was a too good of an opportunity to pass up. And I go, yeah, yeah, I'm there. But, you know, so uh, very fortunate. I got there at, at the time when, when that team, just like Pittsburgh, coming on, I got, right. got a chance to jump on the on the wagon. And the same thing in Detroit. A franchise coming on big time. I got a chance to jump on there. So uh, a great, uh, turned out to be a great situation and, and uh, very fortunate that I took that phone call. Good thing you answered that call, Murph. <laughs> yeah. A couple more rings in your pocket. Hey, buddy, let's take our uh, final break when we come back i gotta ask you about the murphy dump and a bunch of other things so let's uh let's continue the conversation when we come out of our final break here he's larry murphy i'm phil bork and you're listening to good hockey talk welcome back to good hockey talk with phil bork i'm here with former penguin defenseman and hall of famer and four-time stanley cup champion larry murphy murph uh i kind of i'm on twitter now uh, you know i i held off as long as possible so i kind of threw it out there this morning what should i ask larry murphy and it was overwhelming it was like uh, tweets tweets everywhere Wh- where did the murphy dump come from is it something you always <laughs> use is is it something i still use it on the air all the time like that's a great murphy dump right there is it something you had all the way back to junior hockey is it something you only used as a or, or found as a penguin um because you were the best at it. Well, it, it was actually out of, out of junior hockey and Gary Green. He, um, I, I, I wasn't, I can't really remember why we did the drill, but he would he would line up guys at the at the goal line and have them flip the puck, okay, uh, as high as they could do it. So. <laughs> Um, it's just something that, so that's the, my first exposure to it. I never did it in, in, in minor hockey, uh, it started in junior hockey and it's something that stuck with me. And I remember, uh, the, the, the thing was that I, I, w- I did it at different points in my career, but I remember Bob Johnson, um, the great Bob Johnson, mm-hmm. Uh, when, when I did it in Pittsburgh, he loved it, and he came. He came running down. I remember. I, I remember he came to me after the game, and just you know the way he got that gesture, he wipes his, his nose with his hand, and he says, "Hey, where did you know where did that where did that come from?" I, I love that. So it really at that point, I think in Pittsburgh is when I I, I went to it on a much more consistent basis. I remember we hooked up one time on that play. I don't know if you remember Borky, but. Um, you had a breakaway one time from that with a case of fire in the pocket. Oh, of course. Obviously, for the opposition defenseman, you took a I don't know if you, obviously, if you've a lot went through in your career, but I, I remember it could be my uh, my best one ever was when you, and you converted it. I don't know if you have any idea if you can even remember that yeah, one. Well, Murph, I, I didn't have that many, so I remember all of them. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, Matt, I, we're kind of running out of time here a little bit. I want to squeeze in a couple more questions. Uh, you're okay. living in Detroit now. You're back in the broadcasting booth um, doing some stuff with, with the Wings. Uh, but uh, I saw a story about 24 hours of lemons, not 24 hours of Lamont's. Burf, what right, right. is going on here? A race car driver, four drivers, 24 hours of driving. Kind of, kind of lay this out about driving a lemon with 500 bucks. That's all you can pay for the car. Fill in the blanks for me. What is going on here? Oh, it's great. It's a series that it, it's, uh, runs around the U.S. and they that they basically come to different local road road courses. And um, there's actually one. There is a race outside of Pittsburgh, uh, a lemons race. So, anyways, we you, you you it's it's supposed to be affordable racing, but you, so you buy your car for five hundred. They don't want high performance cars. They want the car safe. So we buy the car. Uh, we spend. We put roll cage, fire uh, suppression system, uh, uh, racing seat, roll um, roll cage beef up the brakes, whatever. So anyways, I do it with three of my other buddies. We have, we have the time of our life. It's a, we go to a, a track for the weekend. We set up, we set up our own hospitality, bring the food, the steaks, the barbecue. Wow. And we spend the practice day, uh, there's one day's practice day, and then it's, it goes Saturday, Sunday. And uh, we have time of our life, so we try to do that three, four times a year. It's uh, it's a blast, Borgie, in a car. Uh, I mean, I don't know how fast you go. There's no speedometer in it, but <laughs> I tell you, it's it's it's, uh, it's a hair raising experience. So I, I, I we we try to do it two or three times a year. April seventeenth and eighteenth, Wampum, Pennsylvania, at the Pittsburgh International Race Complex. Murph, uh, last one. I'll let you go. I got about thirty seconds. Uh, you turn sixty next Monday. Any big selly? Well, uh, you know what? I just hope I hope I qualify for the COVID vaccine. That's, that's, that's what I'm looking for. But you know, in this day and age, uh, I, uh, you know, obviously a milestone. I kind of, I wonder how I'm going to feel about the whole thing when the day comes. But it's definitely low key. I mean, we're we're all in this low key time, so there's no uh, no the celebration will have to be put off for a later date. Okay. Well, on Monday, I'm going to pop uh, the coldest. Uh, Labatt's <laughs> blue light I can and I will be cheering you so cheers to you Murph you're the best you're a champion man on and off the ice thanks for taking the time to do this I love talking hockey with you yeah, thanks Borky I love it too alright that's Larry Murphy and you just listened to Good Hockey Talk